Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. And having my favorite conversation with one of my favorite guests, Dr. Andrew Viper. Today we're talking water. My goodness, such an important conversation. First of all, um, I, as you know, and you've been with us for a while, we have a lot of new members. So can you, first of all, hello. And second of all, Hi can there. you maybe do a little bit of an introduction of yourself and, and let people know uh, how amazing you are? Ah, well, I don't want to say that. I just um, so I'm a um, uh, I'm a urologic oncology surgeon in uh, the GTA. Um, I do a lot of uh, cancer work, unfortunately, uh, with uh, uh, women and men uh, with different types of genitourinary cancer. Uh, uh, it means I'm a urologist too. So I my expertise is uh, has a lot to do with kidney kidney function, you know, and so on. And and um, you know, I'm just very happy to provide that, um, you know, bit of, uh, uh, information to your uh, members and, uh, to have this discussion as we had before. So very happy to kind of dispel myths and, and, uh, understand, help a little bit understand, um, you know, what's, uh, what's going on with water and why we need it and how important yeah. it is. So let's start with that. Why, why do we, why is drinking enough water important? Um, so, you know, in general, just a great introduction, by the way, the multimedia is fantastic. I mean, you know, it, it, it's it's uh, you know, water is, a, is of course the most important thing that we that we can consume uh, by far. Uh, it really supports every single biochemical function, everything from on the cellular level to the enzyme level to how your circulation goes and how you feel on a given day. Um, all of these things are you know physiologically intertwined, um, and having enough fluid in your body having the right balance of fluid and electrolytes and all those things um, is of fundamental importance um, for your body to function normally. And if we wanted to do amazing things like work out or, um, you know, work really hard and concentrate at your job or lose weight or a whole variety of things, we need to really support your body with other, with many things, but water is one of those fundamental pillars. So I want to get into, um, you know, one of the one of the questions that we get asked a lot is, can you drink too much water? Now, you know, studies and research is now saying 2.7 to three and a half for basic body function, average person. Obviously, if you're taller, you know, have more weight to lose, you need more. If you're shorter, less weight to lose, you need less. If you're more active, you know, there's so many variables, variables to that. But let's get right into that. Like, can you drink too much water? So. You know, for the vast majority of people, right, um, you're with normal kidneys, normal heart, normal physiology. That's the majority of people. Uh, the more water you drink, the more you're going to eliminate, right? Yeah. Now, there is a tipping point if you drink 10 liters, 12 liters of water a day that you're, you know, because what, what happens in your body is that water, sodium, and electrolytes follow the water. So if you actually drink all of that, you're going to be urinating a lot more, eliminating a lot more through your kidneys because it's the fastest way to get excess water out of your body, uh, going to the bathroom, you know, and, and avoiding. 
Um, but some of those electrolytes are going to come with it, right? So it's very important if you're drinking a lot of water to make sure that it's a balanced intake and that you pull in those electrolytes to make sure like your body is at this concentration. You want to be at this concentration, no matter what your water intake. So that's, that's the key step. So safe water intake um, is okay uh, at, at, at higher levels, depending on uh, how much electrolyte you bring in with that water. Now let's talk about that 10% of people who have problems with their heart problem, like heart failure, for instance, problems with their kidneys, uh, like kidney failure, uh, problems with um, who are, you know, problems uh, such as those associated with medications. If you're taking diuretics, you know, to control blood pressure, as many people do, because let's say if you're overweight and you have high blood pressure, you take diuretics as part of the cocktail of things that your doctor will give you to reduce your blood pressure. Those patients need to have a little bit more caution with respect to how much water they, they take because their body can get overloaded with water at le- lower levels compared to the average mm-hmm. person. So, okay. you know, if you are, if you find yourself within that 10%, Gina, it's always important to speak to your doctor and say, what is a safe level of water for me to take in? Now, that being said, if there's no water limitations on you, the, the you know, studies, really good studies and solid studies. As an epidemiologist, I don't just look at the studies and the headlines as they come out. I actually go in and delve deep into the data. Is the quality of the study good? You know, is the is is the science good? Is the way they conducted the experiment in this paper good? And there's all kinds of great studies to suggest right now that two and a half to three and a half, something around there, liters of water is basically what you need to survive. You lose, you know, and that's it. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you, well, you, yeah, go on, please. No, you, you sent me a study, I think, but right before the, uh, the winter program and people's minds were blown about how making sure you're drinking enough water can actually help prolong your life or make you healthier, you know? So it's a, yeah. it's a real thing. Why do you think people just don't know to drink enough? Like, I think it's a mod, I think it's a modern day problem. We are fortunate mm-hmm. To live, you know, uh, Canadians and Americans um, in a Westernized society where uh, we have access to all these resources. If we turn on the tap, we have water. Yeah. We, you know, uh, and most of us go through our days and they're like, you know, going to Starbucks or doing whatever you feel that you want to do from a consumption standpoint. And unless, you know, that's very different from people in, you know, developing countries where their whole day is surrounded is focused on getting enough water for that one day for their family. So it's, yeah. we, we live a completely different world. And I think that we've gone, the pendulum has swung so far over that we actually forget how important normal water consumption and fluid consumption is to your physiology. And, you know, most of us, um, you know, if you live, if you live in a Western society, there's a chance that you live, you work in an office, you have a, a, a sedentary job, um, you know, there, you know, unless you, um, you know, do do some something extravagant. I mean, the water, the requirement, or at least the, 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 the thirst that is your body's natural tendency to say, I need more water is mm-hmm. is diminished because you're not thirsty all the time because you're sipping coffee and you just you're sort of mm-hmm. losing enough just to, to get those thirst sensors. OK, but you're not you have to reset that barometer higher. And that's what the key is. It, it, there needs to be a better way in which we approach our hydration throughout the day than just the regular stuff. 
Ooh, I like what you just said about resetting that barometer. I guess your body gets used to what your water intake is. Is that why when people start drinking more, all of a sudden they get thirsty? Or does it have to do with the fact when they start drinking more, they have to go to the bathroom more well, often? Yeah, I mean, we talk, I, it's funny. We talk, I think we talked about this. We hit on this before that your body has really, is, is a really, really um, amazing physiology. I mean, before medicine, I did an honors in physiology and I, cause I loved it. It was so interesting to me. And one of the cool things is that your body has sensors all over to determine what's going on inside. So, you know, how does your body know that your blood pressure is low and you need to drink more water or that you are dehydrated or, you know, you have, you know, in your carotid arteries or, in, you know, over here, your veins actually in your neck, you have these little micro sensors that send messages to your brain. So if you're, these sensors detect A, your blood pressure is low, B, the um, concentration of your blood is too high, meaning it's not dilute enough and you need more water, they send a message to your brain, to your thirst center, and it makes you thirsty. And it causes your mouth to dry out, causes, you know, you feel, wow, I really need to, I really need to drink. So what happens then on the, on the converse is that if you drink a lot of water and your body's flush with fluid, right? These sensors don't detect um, sort of a lack, they detect an excess and they send a message to your heart and to your kidneys that you need to pee more. The trick is though, these sensors can be reset. Okay. And that, that's what it is. So if, if you're in a chronic dehydrated state for years and years and years, your body's used to this. So all of a sudden your veins expand and you, and these sensors are sending messages to your brain. Like I got to pee more. I got to, you know, stop drinking so much. Um, that is it's something that happens acutely, but then it flattens out with time because your body senses a new normal. So it takes some time. It'll, it'll certainly involve uh, a little bit more, uh, I'd say definitely more trips to the bathroom. Um, you'll notice like I'm going to pee every hour if I'm drinking this, this, this water. Um, but it resets over time. Now, I know the plan because you know, I've done the plan personally. Um, you know, I know that things, there's been a lot of wonderful changes and, and, uh, and so on. Um, so I know that you don't espouse to big, you know, you know, do a liter of water three times a day or something like that. That's just not the right way to do it. It's more of a constant sip throughout the day and you get your water consumption in by a certain period of time. I mean, there are check marks and stuff that you, and, and um, goals that you have to hit, you know, if, if, if that's what you want to do in the program. Um, but you need to reset your, 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 your barometer slowly. That's really what it is. Woo, Cause some people think like my bladder's just weak or, you know, there's an issue there. Like where does, where do you know whether it's just your body adjusting or actually like, what would you call it? Pelvic health? Like what? Yeah, what's absolutely. So I deal with this with my patients all the time and uh, you know, male and female patients, um, you know, go through um, different types of pelvic problems related to urination. So there are several different sort of nat- like um, ways in which the bladder can be um, annoying to you. It can have an overactivity component. You can have a small bladder, born with a small bladder or a bladder that's been rendered small by things like surgery or, God forbid, chemotherapy and radiation and all kinds of different things that, that can happen to people in life, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, some, so people will experience their, their bathroom breaks a little bit differently. But one thing that is important that transcends all of that is that there exists sort of below the bladder, uh, a sheet of muscle that holds everything up. 
It's called the pelvic floor. And it's made up of about four or five really uh, important muscles that are made of the same type of stuff that are that are in your, your biceps or the rest of your skeletal muscle. So okay. there's different types of muscle in the body, muscle that you can control and muscle you can't control. Um, mm. The muscle you can control is the skeletal muscle. And that's what the pelvic floor is made from. So when I go through this with my patients, uh, I would tell you the most important thing is to focus on pelvic health and strengthening that muscle. Because not only will you strengthen that muscle, it's going to improve your ability to, your bladder will expand, you're going to have more control over your bathroom breaks, things of that sort, but it helps things like constipation, okay? And it helps things like sexual dysfunction in females particularly, because what are the things that go through that sheet of muscle? Well, you have your bowel, right? You have the female genital organs, and you have your urethra, which is carries the urine out from the bladder, to the outside world. So those are the things that are affected by the strength of the pelvic floor. And that's why um, if you go to, you know, great websites uh, like pelvichealthsolutions.ca, things like this, you'll find pelvic physiotherapists all over the place. And it is well worth your time and investment to focus on pelvic health. It's going to change your life for sure. So how would you know you have issues there, like as opposed to going to the bathroom more often? Is it like if you go to the bathroom and then like 10 minutes later you have to go again or you feel like you're going an excessive number of times? Like when would you know you might have something going on other than your, it's not just your body getting used to the water? Well, yeah, I mean, certainly there is a, an adaptation protocol. Thing, but if you're, if you're um, you know, everybody, a question, common, common question that I'll ask my patients is, you know, how much do you drink before you go to sleep? You know, so if yeah. you're drinking a liter of water before you go to sleep, everybody will wake up. That's yeah. just like, it's, you know, and people don't only waking up to pee in the middle of the night, but everybody will wake up, right? If you drink mm-hmm. things that promote diuresis at night, you know, some people, uh, you know, dr- will drink tea or uh, magnesium or things like this before they go to sleep. Yes, it helps you sleep, but also it's going to end up in your bladder because your, your, your kidneys are going to, uh, are going to, um, filter that much quickly, much, much more quicker. So, you're yeah. going to end up peeing. So if, say for that, if you are not, if you are waking up every 15, 20 minutes at night to pee, right? And it's little yeah. amounts, right? Yeah. Uh, that's the issue. So it's really the amount because you're, I, you know, as a urologist, I always tell my patients, I can't control how much urine gets to your bladder, right? That's about your heart. That's about your lungs. That's about how much water you consume. I can, I can help you manage how that comes out, right, and focus on your pelvic health. But if, for instance, you're drinking, and you're, or at least you're, let's say you're not drinking, and you're going to the bathroom multiple times, and you are just urinating a little bit instead of a full bladder, right, that's something that, that, that could be looked after and looked into with your family doctor and then maybe urologist if, urologist if necessary. Um, but if you're literally going to the bathroom every hour and you're putting out a huge amount of urine every time, um, that is your heart and your lungs and your brain working hard to level your electrolytes and level your, your, your what's called your extracellular fluid in your body and making sure that you are not here, but everything balances out. Your heart and lungs and your kidneys work hard to keep everything balanced. That's what it, that's really what it comes down to. Okay, what about holding your pee? Because, you know, like people are really busy and they're talking about holding it. Like, is that as bad for us as, as you know, yeah. they say it is? Not a good thing. I mean, in, in my business, no we call, we, you know, we, you know, I, we talk to the nurses all the time. We say, you know, do you have a nurse's bladder? 
the nurses they they're running around and they're they're you know they're they're so busy and you know god bless our, our nursing our nurses in our you know in our hospitals and so on and they end up holding it in and they get this big stretched out bladder and the bladder itself is a muscular organ like when you urinate the bladder doesn't just sit there like an empty cavity it actually squeezes the urine out so if you stretch things out the fibers right which are normally supposed to be like this are stretched out like this so with t- so after a while, the muscles can't grab each other in the middle, and you end up not being able to empty very well. So that is that's what we call a hypotonic bladder, where a bladder doesn't empty fully, and that's a big problem because I wish there was a pill to correct that. I wish there was a surgery to correct that. I mean, there people have tried many things, but it doesn't work. And the trick is to make sure that you're going to the bathroom when you can. Um, you know, I always tell my patients to go to the bathroom by your watch and not by yeah. feel that if you feel super stretched out, then you're not probably doing a great job. And you should try to go to the bathroom every couple hours during the day, um, even if you don't feel like it, because that keeps your bladder empty and healthy. So that's different. That That's not forcing yourself to go. That's just taking the t- is that more just taking the time to make sure that you are going. Exactly. So it, yeah. it's taking the time to make sure that your bladder is empty, that you um, that you're doing the right thing by going by 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 time and not by feel. So if you stretch your bladder out consistently over years, it's it, it can lead to bladder problems. We know that, you know. We know that we see that in nurses, we see that in teachers. We actually interestingly see this in some of our um, indigenous population who live way north, who hunt and don't go to the bathroom for hours and hours and hours and days because it's too cold. And they end up having bladders that are just too overstretched. So that's an extreme situation. But people need to urinate and they need to urinate, you know, a little bit more frequently than you might think. People, you know, your members may say, well, I'm drinking so much water and peeing every hour anyway. That's okay. That's okay. That's all right. Your body will reset, you know, and as, as, um, you know, some of the things that you espouse is making sure that water intake is consistent throughout the day, not, you know, spiking up and that'll help. That's so interesting because the people, some people were asking, can I stretch my bladder by drinking too much water? And so am I, I'm understanding it's not drinking the water. It's holding the pee that yeah. would stretch the bladder out. Yeah. I mean, literally yeah. you, you're, you won't let yourself stretch the bladder unless you reach that critical threshold. Because when you feel the bladder stretching, your body says, I have to go to the bathroom and then you empty, right? And you're at that critical threshold. If you go beyond that critical threshold and you actively hold it in consistently over and over for a long time, you're going to get bladder problems. But you can't stretch your, you're not going to hurt your bladder by drinking a lot of water. Um, you know, and when I say a lot, I don't want to even say a lot because the things yeah. that you talk about in the program are not a lot. It is basic yeah. physiology. So we have to strike that from our conversation. It's not a lot. It is basic mounts. You lose water when you go to the bathroom, solid waste, liquid waste, when you breathe, when you speak, when you perspire, when you work out, you lose tons of water, you know? So you have to replace that appropriately with electrolyte-rich fluid, for sure. So I just want to go back to that. That uh, first of all, I love what you just said. Second of all, I want to go back to. So what? What if you do have like? So if you're going more often, is there anything you can do? Like back to that pelvic health. Like is is doing those Kegel exercises? You know when they tell you to kind of like, did yeah. they help? Is there anything yeah. people can do other than ping more on a schedule? 
Yeah. So, so I, I, you know, I, I, what I, what I want to tell people is, um, you know, voiding on a schedule, what's called double voiding. So people, you know, a typical woman will sit when she's voiding, she has to stand up and then she sits right back down. It rejigs things a little bit inside because sometimes the bladder anatomy is different. So that extra bit of water may actually find itself in a lower point in the bladder and you end up peeing more. So that really ensures that you empty your bladder appropriately. Um, you know, pelvic physiotherapy starts with Kegels. Okay. Kegels yeah. are very, very helpful. Uh, there's tons of great websites you can see just open source um, that people can Google uh, regarding pelvic health. There's a ton of great pelvic physiotherapists. I mean, there are you know people like me all over the, the GTA who run uh, pelvic health programs, you know, for females and males. There's a ton of great opportunity uh, to bring in different types of technologies, which help pelvic floor. Um, you know, there's, you know, it, there's so many great things. Uh, there's, um, you know, Kegel um, exercise uh, helpers, I would say. There's a great technology uh, where there's a machine that you can sit on that we have that uh, allows for um, the pelvic floor to contract, you know, and, and do really well, really helpful for a lot of people. Um, yeah. there's, there, there's, got, there's a lot of technology to help people, for sure. And it's not just women, it's men too. Yeah, I think that's really important. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, so let's go back to the basics in the program and water. Mm. One of the most interesting things that you've said that was a massive aha moment for me is is with this program specifically with how often people are eating. Because, you know, people can go all day long without eating or doing other diets. They, they don't eat anything. They're starving. They're depriving. Is that you need more water because you're eating more often. Can you, can you talk about that? Absolutely. So um, water, one of the things that's really important is digestion, you know, when you eat. Mm. So um, when you eat, you want to, you, ideally speaking, you want your body to pull up those great nutrients in your small gut. You want to have that stuff land in your large gut where it's processed and then eventually uh you you know you get rid of solid waste so that process of of digestion is really 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 um predicated on the successful integration of enzymes that your body secretes in like for instance your liver one of the most important things your liver does is it releases bile and the bile hits your small intestine right when the digestion starts right in some, at this first part of the small intestine called the duodenum. And the, what does bile do? It dissolves fat, you know, and it, re- and it helps fat, uh, good fats, be digested quicker, you know, better. So, so there's less loss of fat in, in, in solid waste. That's number one. 
the pancreas releases all this great, these great enzymes inside that helps uh, that helps digest food as well. Not just inside like insulin into the into the bloodstream, but actually releases enzymes into the gut to help digest food. Water is important for those two functions, incredibly, because you want to have a lot of that going. The more water you have, the more hydrated and, and, and well you are, the more your body is to really able to optimize the digestion function, for sure. And the other thing is all those important nutrients that, that you know, the program has is focused on, everything from micronutrients to macronutrients, all the good stuff. How do you think it goes from your gut into your bloodstream? With water, you know, if you do not and you're de- relatively dehydrated, all that great work that, that members are doing with uh, the consuming of great nutrient-rich foods at the right time and the right sequence, it's all for waste. So you need to complement at least partially. You know, you don't have to, you know, if you want to focus on nutrition versus water, you know, different people focus on different parts of the plant for sure. Yeah. But you have to have a basic amount of nutrients and water to sustain your digestion and to bring those nutrients into your body. So, so people like you, you can't flush, you can't couple things. True or false. You can flush fat out of your system with water and you can flush nutrients out of your body by drinking water. No, it's false. <laughs> okay. Where do people get that from? That, uh, is it just it, that it's, it, drink it, flush it? What? See, you're, you're, it, it just, you, you, you can't, um, you can't like this whole idea of, of, unless you have a really bad problem with your gut, you know, something like, I wouldn't say really bad, but unless you have, if you're, if you have Crohn's or colitis or things like this, or, or problems where your actual digestion and absorption of nutrients is impacted by some process, yes, you're going to have issues and, and you can lose nutrients with certain different things, but the normal physiology Remember, we are not just made last week. Humans are built over, you know, thousands of years. And our guts are attuned to pulling in as much nutrients as we can because we don't know. Our gut doesn't know when the next meal is going to come. We are built to survive. And it's very hard to trick your body into releasing a lot of nutrients by drinking a ton of fluid unless, again, you have some sort of disease process going on. Right. So that's just a different ballgame. So you can't people talk about that. And I don't know where people get it, but there's a lot of snake oil out there, Gina, for sure. You know, a lot. And it's great that people like you are here to dispel those rumors, to bring the truth to 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 people and to members, because it's, it's sad when people believe it. It really is. Yeah. Is there anything to be said? So just piggybacking that about drinking water before a meal, like it's that again, it's probably not going to flush the nutrients out. Your stomach acid is pretty strong, I'd imagine. Sure. But do you do you have any? Do you have anything to say about drinking water before so, with a meal? Like, so what I say, you know, I, I love that idea, person. It's something I do in my own personal life, and something that I do um, that I, I tell my patients to do. Um, those particularly who need to lose, um, at least change their body composition, you not lose uh, body weight and lean body, lean body mass, but change your body composition, lose um, fat, because water does fill you up. It gives you a sense of um, satiety that yeah. um, forces you to reassess your calorie needs for that particular setting. So you may still want to eat a certain amount. It's totally fine. Uh, but it may give you pause. It may give you an, an opportunity to say, okay, you know, I'm, I'm relatively full from this water and, and, uh, you know, and 
I, I feel good about what I ate and maybe I don't need to, you know, um, eat that extra piece of cake or whatever people indulge on yeah. things of this sort, you know? Yeah. I, I think that, you know, again, consuming water regularly uh, is super important. It's super important to digestion and to your physiology. I mean, we see this in the operating room. We see people who are hydrated. We see people who are dehydrated. Um, you know, fluid status and hydration represent the, one of the most important parts of surgical education that I give to my trainees. Um, so it's, it's, this is sort of a, a building block for wellness, I would say, uh, you know, and part of that puzzle, you know, from nutrition to sleep to all the other things that, that are important in life. Yeah, so get it in basically when you can, even if it's with a meal, which is interesting because so many people are afraid to drink when they're eating because, you know, their, their body's not going to digest their foods when you actually need the water to help with digestion. And then to the point, let's talk about dehydration because we talk mm. when you do drink water, if you're hungry and you drink water and you're satisfied by that, chances are you're probably just more dehydrated than anything. Mm-hmm. When you when you get in and you're a surgeon, you can actually see, it, you can tell if someone is dehydrated by looking inside them. I know that's weird, but. Yeah, no, thing. I mean, it's, it's very true. I mean, we work, um, you know, hand in hand with our anesthesiologist when we operate. And one of the constant feedbacks that we get is, you know, fluid status. Does the person mm. need more fluid? Does the patient is less fluid? Um, you know, it, it, there's a whole interplay. So when we when we look at um, when we do operations, no matter what type of operations you do, uh, it's very clear that somebody's fluid status is really really evident, no matter what, because it it shows when things are not um, physiologically working at their best. And that's really what it is. So promoting circulation, promoting health, promoting the vitality of organs, um, all those things are super important. And, um, you know, appropriate water consumption, electrolyte rich fluids uh, serve as the fundamental, fundamental tool to get you where you need to be. It'll make you feel better. It'll, you know, it improves mood. It improves a whole variety of things when you're well hydrated. It's true. So let's talk about electrolytes then, because people are, because it's not about drinking more water to get hydrated necessarily, because you can't drink more and more and more, and it's not necessarily helping you get hydrated. So electrolytes are important. So are we talking like adding salt or adding like trace minerals? Like what would be, what, what's your take so, on that? Yeah, I, uh, it's great, great question. So I'm not a huge major fan of, um, of uh, sports drinks and things like that because they bring a lot of chemicals into your body, some of which we know what to do, what, what they are, some of which we don't know. I'm certainly yeah. not a big fan of uh, the energy drinks like caffeine and so on. Those do other things to your body and the stimulants are not really that helpful for you, um, especially people with heart problems and things like that. So, yeah. um, so electrolytes in general, first of all, I know the plan, as I mentioned before. I know how well you focus on micronutrients, uh, electrolyte-rich and nutrient-rich foods. If you follow a very balanced, rich diet, like you know, like the program says, those yeah. things should very well balance a two and a half to three liter water consumption daily. You're not drinking mm-hmm. excess. Remember, if people want to really, you know, focus on their hydration and go above that, you know, and really, you know, take charge of that and do four, five, six liters of water a day, then, you know, it's very important that those those people, if they're safely allowed to consume that amount of water, then they um, supplement their electrolytes with um, simple salts, you know, electrolyte-rich fluids, trace minerals are great, 
I think they're really helpful. Um, you know, and it, 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 those things would, would really complement a very good safe water consumption. As I mentioned, your body wants your concentration of your, of your electrolytes at this level, right? Any change in that is going to drive water consumption or drive, or drive you to not drink more. So it's always about this play of salt and water, you know, and that's really what, what it comes down to. So, so I, I'm watching the time because I, I know you're a busy man. Okay, and I'm, I'm here listening. I'm all good. Okay, so let's the, a couple of things. Let's let's talk about dehydration then. Like, what what what's so bad about dehydration? I mean, just a different way to frame it because we talked about the importance of hydration. But what happens when you're dehydrated, and why is that so detrimental to our health? Absolutely. So dehydration is is one of the worst things that can happen. It affects first of all, except it affects your mental acuity, your body tries to pull in all this. Um, if you're dehydrated, your body, your, your blood pressure um, goes down, okay? Uh, what happens is your body contracts all the blood vessels to maintain that inner core fluid. So you won't be getting good hydration to your extremities, for instance. So if you are dehydrated, um, you know, any physical activity uh, will be harder. Your muscles will be not hydrated enough and you are at risk for injury. Things like that. So a well-oiled muscle is a well-hydrated muscle. So try, you know, hiking up the mountain. You know what? what I mean, we all hear stories of people who get caught in the wilderness and die of, 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 in the elements and, and so on. It's, I mean, that's an extreme situation. But, you know, they can't move. They can't get out and, and walk those miles because they're dehydrated. Their muscles won't work because their body is busy pulling in all that fluid to your heart and lungs and your kidneys and your brain. Those are the four areas that where your body you know, tries to bring in all that water. So if you don't drink a lot of water, your mental acuity will go down. Okay, you're, So I, I would say if you are dehydrated, severely dehydrated, yeah. your mental acuity will go down. Uh, it, can yeah. affect your, it can affect the way your heart functions. Okay, It can affect the way your kidneys function. Certainly, um, it doesn't take very much for somebody to go into a mild degree of kidney failure. Kidneys like to be bathed in blood. They like to be bathed in water, you know, and, and, and so if you're not giving your kidneys enough, you're going to damage them over time. So that's a problem. OK, I'm not telling you that everybody who's mildly dehydrated on a, on a Wednesday afternoon is going to get kidney failure. <laughs> that's not it. OK, it's, I, I know it's that's not it. I just want to be very clear. I'm saying that, you know, it's important to maintain kidney health by using an appropriate amount of making sure you're hydrated, making sure your body feels the love, you know, and that's really what it is. Um, but that's only three or four examples of a whole variety of things, your pancreas, your enzymatic function, your hormone function uh, for females, you know, you know, you know, they, so another thing is you're for females who are menstruating um, the, you know, that it affects your cycle. Dehydration affects your cycle for sure. Okay. Uh, for men, there's a similar thing that happens in men with their urinary health. So, when I tell you that it, that it is super important to maintain that sort of euvolemic, um, normal, good water consumption, it really dynamically affects every aspect of your health. And dehydration is never a good thing. Never a good thing. Wow. Wow. I just so much information that we've covered in the last little bit. If you're, if you're just joining the conversation, definitely go back to the beginning. We talked about, you know, being concerned about drinking too much and what you want to make sure you're, you're doing when you're drinking pelvic health. You, we, you name it. We talked about it today. So 
Lastly, what do you want people to know about water? You, we've had this conversation a lot. You're sure. familiar with the program and our community. Like, what, what do you think people need to know? So I think people need to not be afraid, you know, of drinking what your body needs. Uh, and why are people afraid? Because they don't want to end up in the bathroom every 10 minutes. They're worried about stretching their bladder, some of the myths and things of that sort. They're worried about damaging their kidneys. They're worried about t- drinking too much. That, that's, that's all, most of that is myth. So you need... A certain amount of water. If you're a smaller person, you may need a little bit less. If you're a bigger person, you need a little bit more. If you're a big workout fanatic, you're definitely going to need more to make sure that you are level. That's all we're looking for is level, not here, just level. So it's safe to drink this amount, okay? It is one fundamental thing of the program and one fundamental yeah. thing of, of, of wellness, right? So there may be different things. Again, I... Um, you know, uh, your, your, your experts and program experts may, you know, talk about the, you know, the, the, fuel, the food plan, water consumption, different aspects, the different fundamentals that support the weight loss. Uh, water is just one of those, right? And yeah. if you want to offer, it's just one. So if you want to optimize this to sort of max out your, you know, all of your different silos of what you want to do, it's a safe thing. The plan is safe. Um, it's a good, it, it, it espouses what is physiologically and uh, risk adapted and evidence based. Um, I think that's, you know, and I think the most, and I, I think the simplest thing is don't worry if you're going to the bathroom so often, okay? Yeah. Try to level up your, bo- your, your body a little bit. Um, try to level up your, your water consumption and don't, don't do big spikes. Um, with a little bit of time, your body will reset and you're going to get used to this. And again, for those people who are concerned about water consumption, I think as you as you've said many times, speak to your doctor about it. Make yeah. sure it's safe for you, okay? Because individualization of the plan is very important for you. Make it yeah. work for you. And if it, and if water consumption is a problem from a medical standpoint, optimize other things as well. Drink enough that's safe for you, and focus on the other aspects of the plan and round it out. And that's that. Those are really my messages. And uh, you know, I like the plan. It works. <laughs> you on conversation would get boring because we've had it so many times every single time i'm just excited for it and i learn something new every single time um speaking of time uh dr pfeiffer thank you so much for your time i'm so grateful to to have your support of the program to have you be you know part of the program and take your very valuable and precious time and share it with us and helping to inform us and our community just about water it's such an important conversation like you said it's just one part of the program and if you are someone and I know you would agree who can't drink as much as suggested because of certain health issues or whatnot. It's just one part. There's so many other things you can do in the program to be proactive. Um, water is a big part of, you know, healthy, sustainable weight loss because it helps your body function properly and helps you be healthy and helps with digestion and all those things. It definitely does not flush anything out of your body. <laughs> Quite the opposite. <laughs> Quite the opposite. My goodness. Um, Thank you so much. It's, it's, uh, it's always every- a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Pleasure to support your members and and uh, you know just wishing everybody great luck and uh, and uh, it's a pleasure to see you and anything I can do. I love it, and I know um, a lot of our members who are watching in our Facebook. Su- support group today are going to ask how they can share this with friends and family it's going to be on our podcast it's also going to be on youtube so we'll make it available so you can share it with the people in your life who need to know more about water dr andrew pfeiffer thank you so much for your time thanks for joining us my pleasure my pleasure 
Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart, a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com.